You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Buffalo Bills hold off the Tennessee Titans in Nashville 14-7 in front of a huge Bills crowd to go 4-1 into the bye week. And with the injury sustained throughout the game to key players, it's not a moment too soon. Welcome to this recap episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and here to discuss this Bills victory are my co-hosts, as always, John and Mike, fellas. How are you feeling after this huge victory against an AFC opponent? Doing great, Nate. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Nowhere else. Nowhere at all. Mike, how about you, bud? Nate, four and one. Wow. Seeing the seeing Bills players in an away game wave their arms to pump up the crowd. That's gotta get you excited. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen very well. We gotta we gotta give a quick shout out to all of the Bills fans that made that trip today. I mean, I'm sure I had some friends that I know went there. I'm sure you guys had friends. I'm sure the people listening to this episode had friends or or family members that they know went there or friends of friends. It was really cool. I didn't think that they, I mean, Nash, Nashville's not anywhere close, right? And it's not one of those cities like, you know, North Carolina, in North Carolina, like Charlotte, where the Carolina Panthers play, where everyone from Western New York moves to. But that was really cool. Um, I will say overall, for this game, none of these wins this year have been pretty by the Buffalo Bills, but who cares? Four and one, like you said, a win is a win in this league. And to have a win over a potential playoff team in the AFC that you could be competing against for a wild card spot. I mean, that's that's just a great feeling. Enough can't be. Now you're up two. You're up two with the tiebreaker. With the tiebreaker, buddy. If we end up 12 and four and they end up 12 and four, we win it. They're going home. <laughs> Tennessee is not out twelve and four. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, so anyway, enough enough can't be said about this win. I think Josh Allen performed well overall, uh, minus that one interception that you knew um, as soon as he threw that he wished he would have he wouldn't have thrown, and uh, that was his only turnover of the game, which to me is a great step. It's a you know in the right direction. He threw the ball away more often today when something wasn't there and limited most of his hits taken. And although there were a few, you know, there were a few hits that left you worried. I mean, overall, I think this was a good step for him coming out of the concussion protocol just yesterday and being ready to suit up for this game in a game that we really needed to win. You don't want to go three and two into the bye. You want to go in with some momentum and you want to have it against a team, like I said, that you could be competing for a wild card spot. Not only throwing the ball away, like he's running out of bounds, he's checking down to the running backs, and you never want to say something positive about Brady, right? But it looks like Allen learned a little something about throwing the ball at receiver's feet when the play is not there. Like, that was good to see. Yeah, there were a couple of instances where it looked like a broken play, and rather than him, or even 
like he would he would throw the ball to Dawson. Like there was one play in particular where he throws it to Dawson Knox and he throws it at his feet. Even though Dawson Knox probably could have caught it, it most likely would have been behind the line of scrimmage and tackled right away. This is the kind of headsy play, and and enough can't be said about the fact that this is an improvement over pretty much most of the season, I would say, for Josh Allen. And that's all we're looking for in this season is just steady improvement. And I know I don't know if you guys saw this. I saw this meme just recently where they talk about success, and this is just general success. And it was a it was a funny picture. It was like a graph where you where you saw like what people think success looks like, and basically you start at the bottom left and you go you know up to the top right in like a straight line, right? And really, what success is was the next picture, which was like a jumbled mess. Like it would go up and then down and up all around. It was like a tied knot, and then eventually wherever you ended up was the upper right part of the graph where success was. And I think that's what we're going to see this season with Josh Allen. As long as we end on more of the upside by the end of the season, it doesn't matter how we get there. He's going to have games where he regresses a little bit like last week and some of the different drives and quarters, you know, in previous games. But this is a great improvement. If he can continue to do this, obviously continuity is a huge issue uh, and it's something that he's going to need to continue. But I was I was happy with, with all those things you just mentioned, Mike. Do you have that graph if you could forward me that graph i have a performance review coming up and that might be helpful <laughs> yeah yeah wait why not is your boss gonna I be mean, are you gonna point to like the jumbled up mess in the middle and be like listen i'm somewhere in the middle i'm, yeah. I'm here right now but 15 years from now <laughs> when i get spit out the other side i'm gonna be up there in two years from now when you retire <laughs> i might be up a little bit further <laughs> That's all you have to do is just wait out the retirement, right? Just not get fired. <laughs> That's it. Uh, no, no, John. John, what do you think overall about Josh Allen? What do you think about the defense in general? I think I think there were there were a lot of positives to take from this from this game. Yeah, I echo the same sentiments you guys had about Josh Allen. Um, you know, aside from the one interception, he had a really great game. Um, I think his I think his passer rating was the best of his career. Not that we should think about passer rating as being an end all statistic. But no, he looked really good. Um, you know, other than the pick, minimize mistakes. Defense as expected, right? Like they're just outstanding as a unit. Um, and you know, just each each like each positional portion is just so good and cohesive. They you know, you got Poyer and Hyde and you got Milano and Edmonds and like like each little pocket is just like they just play so well together, just so harmonized. Um, they, you know, McDermott's done a really great job with that defense. And what's cool too is like their clutch at the end. We've talked about how Josh Allen, king of the fourth, right? They come through in the clutch. The defense too, and in particular Allen. It's it seems like they're always in it right down to the end. Yeah, there were definitely times where right at the beginning of the fourth quarter when. The Titans scored that touchdown. You're like, oh no, like really, like this is this is going to be rough. And then you know they came right back. There, this team is different. It's just built different. These wins aren't pretty. They're they're winning them though, and they're staying in the game. And their mental fortitude is something that we haven't seen before. You know, one of the things I liked about Josh Allen today, going back to Josh, was that the run game really couldn't get going for most of the day. So they relied on him passing the ball. And even doing so, he didn't put up a lot of points, but he was steady enough to keep them in the game. Whereas you might not have seen that 
he limited the turnovers. You may not have seen that in past quarterbacks to the point where he was able to lead drives and get them to the point where they were able to win the game in that. And I, and we can't go, we can't go and talk about the defense without talking about Jordan Phillips today, Jordan Phillips, the defensive tackle for the Buffalo bills had, he was just a monster up the middle today with three sacks and easily his best game as a Buffalo bill, his whole career. Um, it was just it was a great game for him and it just shows you why, you know, Brandon Bean re-signed him in the offseason for, for that type of I think he saw that kind of potential. And when he when he signed him, he he told him exactly, you know, I want to see that kind of fire in the away games that you show at home. And I want you to sh- to have that kind of intensity every single game. And so far this season, I mean he hasn't had a three sack game every game, obviously, but he is just he's just looked much more the part this season than he did last season um, with some of the limited play that he saw then. I mean, Jordan Phillips, unblockable, relentless. It was awesome to see. Coming into the game, he had six and a half sacks, right? And had three in the first half when they needed it the most. The first time that's been done, first of all, the first last... Has that never been done? (laughs) By a Buffalo Bill? It has been, actually, pretty recently. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Jordan Phillips had a three sack day, which the last time a bill had a three sack game was Lorenzo Alexander in 2016 against the Los it's Angeles the Rams half, right? No, nope, but in the first half it was done by Mario Williams in 2013 when he's only had six and a half coming in. Never. No, never. Correct. <laughs> hey, there you go. Hey, fair enough. All right. You, you win. Historic day, Tennessee. <laughs> it was great. One another thing that we can't not talk about on this game besides Jordan Phillips's huge game and disrupting, and I feel like Jordan Phillips's sacks always came on third down in a critical time and just bursting through the middle and just wreaking havoc. <clears throat> but enough can't be said about Duke Williams' first game as a Buffalo Bill, and I would just he was would, on the practice squad on Friday. He was on the practice squad on Friday. We talked last week on the podcast how we thought Zay Jones should be benched and some some people went further to say he should be released i don't know about that but luckily for some reason i don't know maybe the maybe the front office at buff at one bill's drive is listening to this podcast because as of friday duke williams was called up to the practice from the practice squad to the active roster the bills released tackle uh, connor mcdermott and zay jones saw very limited snaps in all of the game today and you know, although the stat line for Duke wasn't the most incredible, he was a key target for Josh Allen when it mattered. Um, he fought for the ball today like Zay Jones never did, and um, all the Bills never, <laughs> all of the all Bills fans that were upset that Duke Williams got placed on the practice squad while Zay Jones stayed on the fifty-three man roster were one hundred percent vindicated today. They. They everything was proven that they wanted. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Today, all those all those fans that were like, "Why is Zay still on the roster when you could have called up Duke Williams?" Well, apparently the coaching staff was wrong because Duke Williams definitely has a place on this roster as a great target on third down, and he he just looked great out there. He offers something that the, none of the other Bills wide receivers do, in my opinion. He was targeted four, and he caught four, including the go ahead touchdown. Like, what more can you ask? Remember last week. So they- <laughs> So real quick, John, remember last week, Zay Jones, two targets or no, eight targets and two receptions for four yards. Stark difference. Yeah. So, so they, they called up Duke Williams and 
you know, maybe it was kind of a trial thing. See how we did did pretty good, right? So now they can cut Zay Jones, maybe. Oops. It's possible. Why not? What did they miss today? What did they miss Why by do they need with receivers? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I I don't necessarily think they need to cut Zay Jones, but he's just been a, a big disappointment so far in his career. And I, and I know that a lot of people are posting plays over Twitter where they were showing, you know, Zay Jones was wide open on certain plays last week, but I mean, you just can't, you have to assume that you're going to get the ball every time. And he just wasn't there when it mattered. So maybe they can get a seventh rounder for him. Oh, I would take that in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we traded up into the second round to get Zay Jones, I would take a seventh rounder right now easily. There were lots. There was lots of talk this week about possibly trading for Stephon Diggs. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Stephon Diggs was like a six round pick. Like the Buffalo Bills just need to get to the point where they're drafting enough players after enough seasons, where they're finding these six round wide receiver gems like Antonio Brown or Stephon Diggs or, or guys like that. You know, they just need to find those guys in other ways. And luckily, it seems like they found one in Duke Williams, who was just recently in the CFL doing great. And uh, yeah. So let's get into our stats of the game portion of the podcast. Let's go into, oh, wait, John. Actually, John has the stat of the game for today's Bills win over the Tennessee Titans. John? Yes, Nate. Um, as reported by the Tennessean, the Titans hosted the Buffalo Bills and about 25,000 of their fans on Sunday at Nissan Stadium, 25,000, and the stadium holds just over 69,000, so that's about 30 per- 36% of the stadium, Buffalo Bills. All right. That's great. Awesome. Hey, well done for Bills fans, man. The Bills Mafia travels for that. It'll be interesting to see if, if they make some huge attendance in some of the other games, but but Nashville, man, that's awesome. So that is, for me, when, when you texted us that, John, that is, to me, the stat of the game. But as always, I have a quiz in stats of the game for you guys. So who went first last week, John or Mike? Mike did. All right, John, you go first this week. Josh Allen's completion percentage for today. What is Josh? What was Josh Allen's completion percentage for today's game? Uh, 79.1. So specific. <laughs> Mike. I'll go under. 79. It was 72% today. (laughs) That was so specific, John. I thought you might have had it, except I have the right answer right here if I didn't know any better. Uh, I I thought I heard it, but I guess I heard it wrong. Yeah, you you 100% did. 100% of it got wrong. So Josh Allen today was 23 for 32, about 72% for the game, uh, which leaves him on the season so far, five games into the season at 63% on the year, which is a big deal in and of itself because going into the season, Josh Allen's completion percentage was something that everyone talked about, especially nationally nationally, and even locally. And last year, Josh Allen's completion percentage, you guys want to do a second quiz? No. <laughs> okay. 53%. What was it, John? 53%. Nice. Absolutely. No, John wins that one. So 53% last year. 63% so far this year. So that's a market improvement. As long as, like we said, you know, it, it keeps along that path. There'll be dips up, you know, dips down, spikes up. But what a great day for Josh Allen today, completion percentage wise. 
So stats of the game, let's go into some of the Bills' stats for today. Like I said, Josh Allen, 23 for 32, 219 yards passing, two touchdowns, and that one interception, which is huge because turnover-wise, the Bills only had one turnover all game, which unlike the last week, unlike a lot of the games previous, and the, going into this game, the Bills were 29th in the league in turnovers on offense. So they're just turning over the ball nonstop. You know that there was going to be some sort of regression to the mean, and today was one of those games. On rushing the ball, Frank Gore led the team 14 carries for 60 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. Josh Allen was second, 10 carries for 27 yards, 2.7 yards per carry. Receiving-wise, John Brown led all Bills wide receivers. He had a great game today, in my opinion. Five receptions. For 75 yards on five targets, huge. Isaiah McKenzie had two receptions for 52 yards on two targets. Duke Williams, we mentioned before, four receptions on four targets for 29 yards and one touchdown. On the game, on the defensive side of the ball, like we mentioned before, Jordan Phillips, three tackles, three sacks, three tackles for loss. Great game by Jordan Phillips. Lorenzo Alexander had five tackles today, led the Bills with tackles, five tackles, had one sack. And uh, Jerry Hughes also had three tackles and one tackle for loss. So a great game by the Bills all around. Oh, Daryl Johnson, by the way, his uh, he logged his first NFL sack in his young career, his rookie season. So uh, besides that one penalty called on Daryl Johnson, he had a great game also. I think, in uh, in stepping in this week. On the Titans' side of the ball, Marcus Mariota was 13 for 22, 183 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Derrick Henry had 20 carries for 78 yards and one touchdown. Derrick Henry had a pretty decent game, but still, just as, as for most of the season, against very good running backs, the Bills held Derrick Henry to under four yards per carry. He had 3.9 yards per carry on the game. Receiving-wise, Jonu Smith was the leading receiver for the Tennessee Titans, one reception for 57 yards, and that was that one huge play. I believe it was in the third quarter where uh, there were some questionable possible holding calls. And uh, so, yeah, so Jonu Smith leading the way. Adam Humphreys had four receptions for 30 yards, and that's about it. We won't get into the defensive side for the Tennessee Titans. So really great game for the for the Bills on both sides of the ball, steady on offense and dominant again on defense. Some more stats of the game, some interesting, unique stats of the game. We mentioned the the information on Jordan Phillips being the first bill to have a three-sack day in three years and the first bill to have a three-sack first half in like six years. John Brown uh, was, like we mentioned, a 75-yard game. He topped 50 yards receiving in every game this season, becoming the first bill with such a streak to open a season since Lee Evans in 2008. So Daryl Johnson, had, and I, I did miss this stat, Daryl Johnson did have a field goal block on that last field goal attempt, I believe. So that was a great game for Daryl Johnson. Frank Gore has 333 rushing yards a season, which is the most ever by a 36-plus-year-old through five games. Josh Allen, like... I think you had mentioned this, John. He established a new career high today for completion percentage. It was 71.9, I should say. Not, that's what you were thinking, 79.1. The Bills have limited opponents to 17 points or less in six consecutive games, the longest stretch by the team since 2002 and 2003. And the Bills have now held opposing passers under 250 yards in an NFL-high 13 consecutive games. 
That's the team's longest streak since the 2002-2003 era also, or 2002-2003 season also, in which they went 14 games. So Bill's defense again holding up. So right now it's a good time. We're going to take a quick commercial break. After that, we'll go into our plays of the game and our wall of famers and wall of shamers. So stick around. All right, welcome back to the Circling the Wagons podcast. This is our recap show. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about this Bills victory. What a great day. I am going to be wearing my Bills jacket to work tomorrow and possibly my Bills coffee mug. It's one of those games. And walking into the bye week, man, it just feels good. It feels feels great, really, to be in that in that position. Um, again, joined, as always, by with my co-hosts, John and Mike. And let's go into our plays of the game for today's victory. The plays of the game today are brought to you by our T Public store. Three words for you: treat, yo, sell. Where we have a variety. I believe we have fifteen to twenty different unique designs, Buffalo Bills style, from Josh Allen style shirts to Sean McDermott to a bunch of other things. Um, John, if if I'm not mistaken, didn't one of your didn't your roommate from college text you from Nashville saying that he saw? A circling the wagon shirt there at the stadium today. I think yeah, I think he was looking to he he wasn't there. I think he was looking for shirts and he saw them somewhere, probably online. We'll edit that back in. So you say yes, he was at the game, and yes, he saw a lot of shirts. Yes, Nate. Exactly. See, everyone's looking at this amazing store that we have at T Public. So check it out. It's tpublic.com slash stores slash ctw pod now we have a lot of different designs like i said josh allen hurling the haters there's a sean mcdermott trusting the process one we have some oj simpson style designs uh, just a bunch of really cool things um where i'm sure there was a ton of people in tennessee there's an oj simpson one? Oh yeah man check it out you got to see for yourself i think you're gonna like it describe it to me no no i you have to see it for yourself and it's it's pretty cool this is not good radio, man. Just tell me. <laughs> Describe it. It has What's to do. Doing? It has to do with the Bronco chase, and you know, it's just you'll you'll have to see it. It's it's clever, somewhat clever. It's kind of a play on that. Do you remember that um, that Nike slogan for Colin Kaepernick? Where it was like, "Believe in something." You know, if it's like stand up for something. If you believe in it or whatever that campaign Nike slogan, well, it's along that line, and it's like, yes, it wasn't that memorable. Yeah, well, it, it's still good on its own, even if even if it you don't remember that Nike campaign. Anyway, it's just funny. It's just like a funny take. So what on is it? it? Well, how's it go? I don't remember. I don't have it in front of me. Oh. It's like it's like I a couple you couldn't of lines. Remember the Nike one, but you could remember the Bills one. Oh, it was. It had to do with believing in something, even if it means lying about everything or something, denying everything. And it's a picture of OJ in the Ford Bronco being chased by all the police cars in Los Angeles on the freeway. So something to that effect. There's a lot happening in that logo. It, it, there is. It's, it's somewhat popular. I was very surprised. But, hey, we have an OJ Simpson shirt, so I'm cool with that. We have a lot of other things, too. So check that out at tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. So we're going to go into our play of the game for today's victory. So I, I, there's, there were definitely some great plays today. So John, I'm gonna lead it off with you this episode. Who, what was your sweet sassy molassy play of the game? Sweet sassy molassy, get out the checkbook and pay grandma for the rubdown. I, um, I think I'm gonna go with the McKenzie short catch and 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 long run after the catch. 
Frustrated downs for Allen and the Bills from their own 40. Little misdirection play. McKenzie. McKenzie from up in real estate. McKenzie cutting back and finally tackled Logan Ryan with a touchdown saving tackle potentially. Uh, it was like 50 something yards. I think it, it sparked a little bit in the offense, led to the Duke Williams touchdown. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go with the, the McKenzie play. That was a great play. Another terrible, one. terrible choice. The play of the game, we've been waiting 20 years to hear illegal forward pass, Tennessee, which brought the, the go-ahead touchdown off the board. Hughes offensively with this line. They've continued third and goal. Mariota feels the pocket start to collapse. Probing, throwing to the end zone. It's caught. Touchdown, A.J. Brown. But was Mariota over the line of scrimmage? Illegal forward pass. Offense number eight. Five-yard penalty from the spot of the foul. It's also a loss of down. It's fourth down. That was the play of the game. 20 years in the making. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a really good one, Mike. That, that was, wasn't that great to have a play? There were some... We, we can't go this whole episode without talking about how terrible the officiating was today. I mean, the holds that they were calling that Matt Milano roughing the passer where he gets blocked right into Mariota almost. The guy, like, dives it at Milano's knee, so he jumps up in the air and he kind of tumbles into Mariota. There were just some awful—that Cody Ford hold that negated that long Frank Gore run. Just some terrible officiating. The refs were awful today. But one play I will say that they got right was that play that was a touchdown, and then it got called back for— Passing beyond the line of scrimmage. That was a great call, Mike. And and honestly, if they hadn't called that and it had been challenged, I don't think it would have gone the other way. So the fact that they called it, because it was kind of, it wasn't iffy, but it was it was very close. It was close enough that if they, you know how the NFL is. You know how the NFL officiating is. If it's close, anywhere close, and there's within a reason, within a reasonable doubt that what they said was right, they'll always go with what they said, even though it could be like 90% wrong. But if it's just 10% right, like the guy's toe might have been tapping the line of scrimmage on his follow-through, if they didn't call that, they'd be like, yeah, that's not passing beyond the line of scrimmage. Everyone knows that. I didn't realize it was where the ball, or I thought it was where the ball was when he released it, but they, on the broadcast, they were explaining that it was if any part of your body is still pat beyond behind the line then you're okay so then they're looking at his foot yeah i 100 percent thought it was like where the ball me too as it leaves your hand but then i got a little worried but you could clearly see from the replay the blue line on the broadcast that it was a forward pass just like 20 years ago so you're saying that we're finally vindicated after the music city miracle mike that we're 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 finally (laughs) a lot of a lot of a lot of shitty things happened in Tennessee against the Titans. Do you remember it was, was it 2008, 2009, when Bud Adams, the owner for the Tennessee Titans, just barely beat us in a game, and he gave us all the double bird. He gave all the Bills, the Buffalo Bills uh, team and, and everyone there the double bird. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably the most significant thing he ever did as an owner. <laughs> and yeah, this 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 game especially felt good to win in Tennessee for all of those reasons. So I'm going to give my play of the game to, and I thought you guys were both going to choose this, so I'm so glad you didn't, was that Duke Williams touchdown to end the game and to go up 14-7. to Beasley, who's in the slot to his left, that he might take it upon himself to go pick this first down up. Allen fakes the handoff to the end zone. It's caught. Duke Williams for the touchdown. 
Like I mentioned before, Duke Williams having a great game today in his first NFL debut um, with the Buffalo Bills. And something that was, I mean, he's earned it. He earned it. He came in to the NFL from the CFL. And a lot of these guys don't stick. There's not a really good rate of success with people that go from the CFL to the NFL. Now, there's obviously a few exceptions like Cameron Wake and a few, but it's really rare. And for Duke Williams to not only get the start today, to 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 make us to be significant in this game in general with the catches that he made, that Allen trusted him. He was four for four, four receptions on four targets. It was it was it was a great touchdown and and it, it put the Bills up, won the game, and is I. I loved everything that Duke Williams brought today, and he's everything so far, at least in this small sample size, of what Zay Jones is not. That's no doubt a great play, but I feel like you had decided that before you even began today, tonight, before you even started this podcast, you had your play picked out before I made the case for the illegal forward pass. Now if you open up like it's natural, just human instinct, right? We think of the offense and the scoring plays, but... Now, expanding your horizons in the whole universe, isn't the forward pass the play of the game? Yeah, I was just trying to be unique. I just didn't want okay. to say the same okay. thing. But I will say that there, that was a huge play of the game. That that might have been the, the biggest, play of the game. The play. Eh. <laughs> it was it was <laughs> one of the best plays of the game. <laughs> I mean, with either, without without either one, the Bills don't win. Either the Duke Williams catch or the Isaiah McKenzie catch or the penalty call against the Titans, the Bills don't win today. So on that pass too, that was the on that drive they had two touchdowns called back from penalties on that drive. Oh, that's right. Was it a Derrick Henry run that was called back on holding? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Titans, Titans shooting themselves in the foot, just like the Bills always used to do for all of these years prior prior to 2019. I think like it, it, it we didn't see a lot of Hauska, right? But really, today highlights the importance of the kicking game for sure, and and it's nice having somebody that you can rely on game in and game out. Like we're seeing the Pats, Goskowski's on IR now, and and it's affecting how they call the game certainly, and maybe their chances to win games down the road. But Hauska, it's it's great having somebody back there that you can count on when Santos missed four field goals. Yeah, yeah. How did I know? That was the difference. Like, if he makes all four, I mean, of course, Mm -hmm. it it impacts everything else, butterfly effect effect and all. But um, if you just give them the points, um, they win the game. Yeah, that's a great point, Mike. I can't believe I didn't bring that stat up in stats of the game. Over four for Cairo Santos and one for one for extra points. Just without, this is the second game this season where the Bills have faced a team with a terrible kicker. I mean, Ryan Suckup, like they mentioned on the broadcast today, went on IR right before the beginning of the season. So they're scrambling, they're finding a guy. And just even if these guys were good at one point, like I remember Cairo Santos being in the league and being pretty decent. And these guys fall off a cliff at some point, like a Dan Carpenter-esque cliff at some, you know, in their career. And it's just, it, it is so hard to find a good kicker. The Jets didn't remember um, the Jets kicker. I Did he miss four field goals? He missed at least three, I want to say against us in week one and this is the second second game where the kicker was a huge part of it and had had they had a decent kicker had they had ryan suck up we might be talking a little bit differently 
with the outcome of it. Great point, Mike. What do you think of Rabel, like trotting him out there to try the 53, I think it was 53 yarder on the fourth, uh, for his fourth attempt? Like, jeez, guy. That's brutal. You almost feel bad for Santos. Yeah, like it wasn't, but not, you don't, but you almost do. The hubris of Mike Vrabel to think that he's missed three field goals already. Now let me give him the longest field goal of the day to boost his confidence. (laughs) Just, I thought, I was like, really? I think you might want to go for it. I mean, you're still down by seven. It's not like, I don't know. It reminds me of sometimes, and, and this wasn't Sean McDermott's case today, and I'd say for most of the season, where he's been pretty conservative in the opposing team's territory as far as play calling. But today he called, Sean McDermott called a fourth and one, went for it on a QB dive, you know, called the play right away, went for it on fourth and two a couple of plays later, and, you know, that did not convert. But it's. That was a, that was a long, too. <laughs> it was a, to run the same exact play that you just did on fourth and one. Yeah, which you barely got for fourth and one. It wasn't like. You know, some of these Brady QB dives where he goes for like five yards, you know, just because he's so tall and the Patriots offensive line is so good. But yeah, that was that was questionable. I would say that was a questionable play of the game. But how much nicer is it to have a guy that's willing to do that and and play play the odds, which I would say that Sean McDermott has not been like in his tenure so far, as opposed to that guy that's just like, well, let's just kick the field goal and try to get the points. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. It was nice to see. I just didn't love the play call. <laughs> thought that was a little too conservative. Yeah, and for, in Verbo's case, like it was like four minutes left. So even if they make the field goal, they still have to score a touchdown. Yeah. What, is Verbo is ch- kind of channeling like a Jeff Fisher, like a like a much more uh, built Jeff Fisher, but with that cr- kind of a creeper stash going? That surprised me. I didn't know he had one of those. <laughs> he definitely does look like a creepy. No, no, he doesn't. Jeff Fisher is a creepy Jeff Fisher. <laughs> he just looks like, like that's a, redundant. Yeah, he just looks like a Jeff. He looks like a version of Jeff Fisher that you couldn't say no to because he's so freaking big, a big dude. Yeah, yeah. What was Could he mixing some crest whitening strips? I thought too. <laughs> Personal appearances on the Circling the Wagons podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, they showed him so much, getting oh, just close, so heated, close up you know? HD of his face. I mean, you're just gonna notice a, uh, in. High def. A Freddie Mercury mustache now and then, right? <laughs> so let's go into our, on that note, let's go into our wall of famers and wall of shamers for today's matchup. What? Who wants to, John started with the play of the game. Mike, why don't you give us who your wall of famer has to be for today's victory over the Titans? It's got to be Jordan Phillips. Three sacks by halftime, 6.5 coming in, just a game changer. I think we have a natural tendency to pick players and plays toward the end of the game, but early and often he made a difference. Absolutely. Good call. John, who do you have? I, uh, I concur with Mike, uh, the defense and, uh, Jordan uh, Phillips leading the way. Yeah, I agree. Three for three. Jordan Phillips was an absolute beast in the middle today. Now, this isn't going to sound like a knock on Ed Oliver, but when Ed Oliver was drafted, and he's he's still so raw into his NFL career, but I was always thinking that Ed Oliver was going to be like Jordan Phillips was today, like almost every game, not three sacks, but always creating havoc through the middle and getting that interior pressure. Now, I know that 
this isn't a knock on Ed Oliver because I think he could still be that, obviously, and and maybe at more of a consistent level. But the way that Jordan Phillips today played, if if you had told me that Ed Oliver played that way, I'd have been like, yeah, sweet, this is exactly what we signed up for. I did not think that we were signing up for Jordan Phillips's today or game today when we re-signed him in the offseason to a one-year deal. And I was very happy with this. Can I can I give a uh, I'll, I'll, I want to give an honorable mention to I know I know we talked about Duke Williams, the Titans kicker, all all great great choices possibly for the Wall of Fame. But I thought John Brown came through um, just early and often for when it mattered the most. He was a great outlet for Josh Allen today, and I think he continues to be his most favorite receiver, probably the most favorite receiver he's had since Josh has been in Buffalo. <laughs> And I, I've just been very happy with his play up till now. Definitely not a Wall of Fame inductee, but a great game by John Brown. Now let's get Wait, going. You can do you can do honorable mentions. Absolutely. Do you want to do an honorable mention? What's the what's a step below that? Um, I was impressed with a tip of the hat. Clock killing Frank Gore at the end. No, oh, good call. He, I mean, did nothing all game, but when we needed it in the fourth on that final drive, it was awesome to see like we're so used to over 20 years seeing the bills not being able to close it out and to see see him go up against a good tennessee run defense um and get first down after first down when we needed it to end the game was great yeah i love that point mike especially because they couldn't run the ball all game and you're not only talking about issues running the ball from a running back perspective but also from the offensive line, the offensive line sustained two major injuries today in Mitch Morris going down in, I believe, at the second or third quarter, and then John Feliciano moving to center, Spencer Long being put in, then Cody Ford gets injured, and the Bills shuffling things around, and to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage throughout the last uh, last couple of drives to keep that clock running was huge. I know we talk about this every week about previous teams and previous regimes and stuff like that, but we've seen a game where the Bills are up by seven and they try to run the clock out and they just run three right into the pile and they end up punting it. The the, the other team is right. Three plays. And the the team has plenty of timeouts to you know it's it's kind of ridiculous. Hey, can we give some credit to today? To I wouldn't give him uh, Wall of Fame mention i wouldn't give him an honorable mention i wouldn't give him a maybe even just a bare what's the next thing tip of the hat right (laughs) a tip of the hat to sean mcdermott not wasting all of his timeouts today (laughs) i mean they ended the first half with three timeouts which is almost unheard of this season so i thought he did a great job with timeout management again just like josh allen's improvement is sean mcdermott continuing a trend where he's going to continue improvement or is this just an outlier where most games he's going to go through all three by the third quarter. So we'll see. So he ended up with three timeouts at the end of the first half. How come he didn't use them? There's 44 seconds left. They got the ball back. Why, why didn't, why did they try for something? No, good question, John. I want to say it's because, so this is, this is what I'll say to that because at first I was, you know, you always got to play aggressively at the end of the, the end of the half. Right. So the bills are, what is it? Seven, nothing at that point. The Bills are getting the ball at the at their own 26. There was an illegal substitution penalty. There's 12 guys in a huddle as soon as they get the ball back at the 21-yard line. Then there was a six-yard pass, a uh, short pass to Isaiah McKenzie for six yards. Now they're at the Buffalo 27. It is second and nine with, what, like 39 seconds left or something like that. 
I think I'm okay with it. I think I'm okay with them not playing aggressive. Now, if they were at their own 44 or 47 instead of their own 27, I think we're talking something different. I think they can at least squeak out a, a field goal. But the way that the, the team had been playing, um, I think it's best not to, I don't know, you always have to play to win. But in this case, with Josh Allen walking away in the first half without possibly turning the ball over or keeping, I don't know. I was okay with the conservative nature of the Bills coaching staff in this case. If they were a little bit further up, I'd be okay with it. If they didn't have that penalty, I'd be more okay with it. But yeah, the Tennessee Tennessee Titans defense today was really pretty good. Above average, obviously. So I'm okay with that call. Mike, what did you think? Were you upset with that play call? or How many timeouts did Tennessee have at that point? I want to say they had at least two. Well, obviously the danger is giving the ball back to Tennessee if they have the timeouts. If they didn't have timeouts, it would change my thinking dramatically. I think they had two. I want to say I remember seeing two. So so you do worry about that because you throw a pass, it's incomplete. You know, throw, throw a couple of passes, it's incomplete. All of a sudden you're punting it back and they still have 20-something seconds. So I don't know. I could see a coin flip either way. I think a lot of people, so I put that up on Twitter, a lot of people agreed with that. Like as far as, you know, I thought it was a little too conservative, but, you know, a lot of comments came back saying that they were very happy with the way it went. And, and the the gist of what people were saying was we get the ball back in the second half. Let's just go into the, in the end of the first half, just playing it safe. If this, this was one of those games too, where because the bills didn't turn the ball over, you play it safe. You're the better team. You're going to win this game. So let's go into um, wall of famers and wall of shamers from Twitter today. We had a lot of great responses today. So thank you for everyone who tweeting, who tweeted us, by the way, if you don't, if you don't follow us on Twitter, please do. We're at, CTW pod, which is circling the wagons pod. And after every game, we put up the question, who's on your wall of shame or wall of fame and who's on your wall of shame for today's game. So we're going to start off, start off with Adam Talmadge. who says wall of famer is Jordan Phillips. What a day. Duke Williams is hungry. Allen. He had a nice Josh Allen, nice comeback after last week and uh, put together a complete game. Agree. hundred percent wall of shame, offensive line and Cody Ford which Cody Ford did get beat repeatedly as he has been all season by speed, which I did mention this week. I was giving out some PFF rankings for the Buffalo bills between Ty Nisecki and Cody Ford. And obviously, you know, Ty Nisecki wasn't a part of today's game plan, but Cody Ford had like a 30.8 pass grade and Ty Nisecki had like a 65 <laughs> pass grade. So twice as good pass blocking. If you want to go by those grades as Cody Ford. So Cody Ford had a rough game. TJ Yeldon on the wall of shame, miscommunication on the Allen interception. What did you guys think? Did you guys think that was completely Yeldon's fault for that interception by Josh Allen? Or did you think that that was just a poorly thrown ball? Because looking at it on instant replay, TJ Yeldon definitely just stopped his route. And just, I think, I think what he was thinking is that Cole, he knew Cole Beasley was there. You can see him look before the ball is thrown to who's there. And then he stopped as if to allow, Cole Beasley to catch the ball. And then obviously it was intercepted. Now it was hard to tell from the angle. If TJ Yeldon continued to run, would he have been able to catch it? I'm not sure. But- yeah, it, it's hard to say. I mean, when I saw it live for the first time, I thought it was on Allen, but you know, with the replay, I, I don't know. It could really go either way. Maybe it's on both of them. Yeah, it was tough. Yeldon, to- it seemed like could have, rather than complaining, the official could have continued playing though too. Or was he complaining right after that pick? Like go, Go track down the tackle, the guy that picked it. But Okay. 
I didn't notice that. So, so Adam also mentioned he was TJ Elder wasn't as effective as he was last week, and he seems lost in pass blocking, which I will agree to a point. It seems like I mean the whole Bills offense. You know, it's funny because sometimes they give Allen all the time in the world, like the like the broadcasters always say to like make a sandwich back there, and then sometimes the opposing defensive line will get get pressure immediately on Josh Allen with just rushing four guys. You know, so that's one of the great things about Josh Allen is that he does have the ability to avoid pressure. Now, usually he makes good decisions with it. Sometimes he doesn't. But that was one of the reasons I was very happy that Josh Allen was in today as opposed to Matt Barkley for that ability to evade pressure from the pocket. Tyler Durden writes, Wall of Fame, Josh Allen. The kid came back from his worst game as a pro and stayed the course even with a pick. And a wall of shame, Zay Jones didn't see the field, and it's a shame we drafted him because we could use that roster spot. <laughs> Tyler Durden. Hey, we don't talk about Zay Jones here on the Circling the Wagons podcast. Rule number one of the Circling the Wagons podcast is we don't talk. You guys get that one, Tyler Durden? No? The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Fight Club? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. Tough crowd. So <laughs> Jason Statham, our man Jason Statham. By the way, love our followers and listeners from the UK. We seem to be getting more and more. And uh, Jason's one of one of our longest listeners. But um, yeah, just, just, yeah, the UK crowd. I mean, if there's anyone after America that listens to our podcast, it's definitely the folks from the UK, the the NFL and stuff is definitely the bills, especially are growing in the UK. So thank you for all of our, all of our followers in general. But, um, but yeah, shout out to the UK listeners. So Jason Statham writes wall of fame, Jordan Phillips for his three sacks wall of shame, the offensive line, too many, too many penalties stopped us from moving downfield special mention. Oh, honorable mention here from Jason Statham for Duke Williams. And he said, and he writes, everyone so far has written, written out Duke Williams as Duke. That's that is so cool. That that is gonna be if if Duke Williams can continue this, that was just like listening to Bruce Smith on the field after a big sack when everyone would shout Bruce. Like that that's gonna be a cool thing. So he said he writes special mention, honorable mention for Duke Williams, the man can ball, and Trey Edmonds, he is a special player. And we don't talk about Trey Edmonds a lot just because he doesn't have a ton of standout plays, but Trey Edmonds is has played stellar this season, continuing from last season. He's just him with Matt Milano, just just a great duo back there in the linebacking course. So happy we drafted him. He's really proven to be a great player for the Bills, a linebacker that they honestly haven't had in, since I don't remember. Mega Weapon writes, uh, Wall of Fame, the defense, and Wall of Shame, not promoting Duke sooner. Great call there. Bob Rarian writes, Wall of Fame, Frank Gore, Wall of Shame, Frank Wycheck. <laughs> How many times do they have to show that? Every are we going to see that play specifically for like the next till we die? Every time the Bills play the Titans, the Music City Miracle forward pass. Jackie Savoya writes, "Wall of Shame is are the refs," which I I would definitely agree with that. Wall of Fame, Duke Williams, and of course the defense. She also wanted to add uh, the interior line, the O line rather. Sorry, it was. She said I line, but I think she meant O line. Making holes for Gore, especially at the end of the game, that was that was huge. Anthony Sepsi writes, Allen, 
This must be his wall of fame. Allen, Edmonds, Phillips, Hughes, and Feliciano. That's too many. It's too many. That's a, that's make a decision, bro. Like <laughs> that's a wall of fame and honorable mention. A few hat tips in there. <laughs> not a so wink. not so good today. Jordan Poyer, Cody Ford, Tommy Sweeney. Tommy Sweeney did have that huge drop on third down, which I was very I was very upset about because Allen hit him right in the hands, and that would have been huge to make that first down early in the game. So I agree there. I don't really know about the Jordan Poyer thing. I didn't see. A lot of Jordan Poyer missing missing plays, but there may have been something that he's talking about I missed. Our man Mike Taylor. Mike's been in for like the fifth week in a row. His wall of fame, Frank Gore, Duke Williams, Jordan Phillips, and the special teams unit. See, Mike, he's got he's got four on there too. Wall of shame. The injury bug, that's a good one. There was the injury bug definitely hit us today. And Dawson Knox. Thought he could have done a little bit more. He did have that huge block. And that was that the Isaiah McKenzie run, John, the huge block yep. that Dawson Knox had. <laughs> he writes, "Now this is good." Special thanks to Cairo Santos and Mike Vrabel's poor math skills. <laughs> Speaking of the injury bug, the the Bills definitely got in. <laughs> it was this bye week couldn't have come in a better time. Like I mentioned in the opening of this podcast, is that there's so many players and important players went down early in the game. Um, Bills center Mitch Morse went down early. Like we mentioned earlier, Cody Ford was being evaluated for a head injury. Linebacker Matt Milano was questionable to return with a hamstring. Um, Trent Murphy went out for a head injury. I mean, just a lot of, hence why we saw a little bit more Daryl Johnson today, why he had a decent game. Um, he was playing in Trent Murphy's stead. So uh, just the injury bug was was really rough today. Thank God that we have a bye week because I'm thinking we're going to get a, uh, most of those guys back in a couple of weeks when the Bills play Miami. I like how you said in his stead. That's like old English. <laughs> It'll be a fortnight before uh, Trent Murphy comes back. <laughs> like you're being conscripted into the militia. Can I send this person in my stead? <laughs> Dearest mother, I've, <laughs> I've sustained a head wound in, in the front lines in Nashville. <laughs> Reminds me of, uh, what was it? Admiral Andrew Luck, that Twitter account. One of the best Twitter accounts ever. Does he follow the CTW podcast? No, he doesn't. Why are we promoting him? I'm just, I just, everyone knows who he just, the guy's got like 300,000 followers, okay? I'm not the only person. And it's funny because he only follows one person. <laughs> who do you think that was? Robert Griffin III. <laughs> no, Andrew Luck, clearly. So, Devin Brown writes, wall of fame for Jordan Phillips, wall of shame, TJ Yeldon for pulling up short on the route which led to the interception. So there's definitely a theme today of people blaming Yeldon for that interception that Josh Allen threw. So, I mean, if you take that, if that is true and what we could see, it was tough to see from the angle that, that we were looking at. If that is the case, then Josh Allen even limited more mistakes than he normally does. And that would be one less. He would have had zero turnovers on the day. Dan writes, Hall of Fame or Wall of Fame is the defense and Allen for being clutch again. Absolutely, it, like you said, Mike, King of the Fourth, right here. Allen has proven that even though he has a propensity to turn the ball over at, at some points and and take some drives off mentally where he doesn't play with the same intensity that he does every other drive. Um, he is just 
coming through again and again in the fourth quarter when it matters. He doesn't throw the, like we mentioned before, the crazy Fitzpatrick interception to end the game. And this guy, he's just, it's its like, I don't know, there's some people out there, you see this with golfers. I guess that's the closest thing I can think of. Some golfers, when they have the lead, the lead going into Sunday, like Tiger Woods was always like that throughout his career, is he was always clutch on Sunday. When he wore the red shirt, he would always close out a, a huge match and and some golfers just crumble under the pressure. They they have like a eight shot hole and they just, you know, they just end up end the game or they end the the tournament with, you know, being in tenth place instead of first, like they started the day. And Josh Allen is so far to me, in my opinion, especially throwing the ball, is the definition of clutch so far for the Buffalo Bills. So much so that I can't remember the last time that we had a quarterback that has impressed me that that much this far. All right, I think I'm going to end this one with Kathleen writing the Wall of Fame, Josh Allen for making plays after uh, making uh, playing a very good game after the concussion, and the Wall of Shame is the refs for calling holding calls when there wasn't holding. Absolutely. So great call by all. Thank you for everyone on Twitter that responded to us. We couldn't read them all; it would take all day. But really appreciate everyone for for writing into us and letting us know who you thought was on your Wall of Fame and Wall of Shame. For today's game, um, I mentioned the injuries sustained to Bills players. There's four to, to four key starters for the game. So again, the Bills go into the bye next week. We're going to line up either a great discussion with Mike and John here, uh, something about the Bills, or I'm going to get someone in for an interview. So even though it's a bye week, stay subscribed, keep downloading. We're going to give you some really cool uh, insight into something. So I'm um, having quite figured out who that's going to be, but I have a lot of leads. So uh, we'll see. So the next game after that is against the Miami Dolphins back there in Buffalo, in New Era Field, in Orchard Park um, in two weeks. So huge game. Um, should be a, should be a win. Bills could potentially go 5-1. And, one. and uh, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Bills fan. Enough can't be said about how great it is right now, not only to you know, talk with you guys to do a podcast about the Bills while they're having their best season, the best season they've had in a long time. But just to be a fan, to be a fan, and and for most Mondays this season, you're 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 walking into work at a, a you're feeling pretty good about yourself. They have one loss against the best team in the NFL, right? Four and one. Oh, they lost one. It's the best team in the NFL, defending Super Bowl chance. This is the first time since 1993 they won their first three road games that's amazing you have to turn back the clock that far and it's the first time since 2004 they've won three consecutive road games right like partially that that speaks to the futility of the last 20 years but wow what an, what an awesome time so that speaks to the futility of the last 20 years but it also speaks to i think how great this team actually is, how legitimate this team is, Mike. Those are some great if stats. Four, if four and one, they have a 78% chance of making the playoffs, which is the fourth best in the NFL. Right behind the Patriots. <laughs> Just, I mean, let that sink in, yeah. right? Yeah. If, when we started the season, um, ESPN said we have 14% chance, and now it's up to 78. And, and you have the bye to get your players healthy, and then you have the Dolphins. They're like historically bad. So we never try and get ahead of ourselves, right? You don't want to be too optimistic. But if there's a game that you can win this year, it's against the Dolphins at home. After a bye. Five and one. 
Exactly. After two weeks you to prepare never for them. Wanna, you never want to say you have a win in the bag, but we have that one in the bag. I'm marking it down already. <laughs> Five and one. Oh, nice. I got some more stats for you. So this is the 17th time the Bills have finished four and one or better in their history. 12 of 16 times they've made the playoffs. 75% of the time falls in line with what you just said, Mike. And six of 16 times they made the title game. After the bye, they beat Miami at home five and one. The Bills made the playoff nine of ten times and made it to the title game five of ten times. Dude, I'm I'm getting pumped just listening to you guys talk about how great this team is and how historically. So I was looking at the rest of the season schedule for the Bills. I went through it game by game because it's been it's been a minute. Usually you just focus on. Just, hey, as a podcast, we're just like the Bills, right? Just try to get one and zero this week, right? Just focus on the game at hand. But I went through the season, and there is legitimately only three games that I'm worried about that I think we take a loss in. And those games, there's a really good chance we could win any of those games. Um, it has to. I think the three teams were the Philadelphia Eagles, which are not unbeatable by any by any stretch. We're playing those guys at home. The other game would be the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, which that's that. That I feel like is just going to be a tough game because I think the Cowboys are playing really well this season, and it's in and it's a short week, and it's in Dallas. That's going to be tough. But and then the other one is the Patriots game. But other than that, you look at the schedule; none of those teams are unbeatable. I mean, the Steelers aren't the same that we thought they were um, going into the season with a Big Ben injury. Uh, the Ravens don't look unbeatable. The Browns are beatable. There, there's a lot of teams on this schedule where it. I don't think they go fourteen and two, but they have the. 15 and one, <laughs> but they have the ability to beat every team on this schedule. You wouldn't say that. I mean, how many times would we go into it and be like, okay, well, that's a loss. That's a loss. Or, okay. We're talking four losses there. Okay. Now the rest of the games, now if they can just win all those games, you know, there's a legitimate shot looking at this season and the way the schedule is playing out and the way that their opponents are playing out that they could go 12 and four. That's funny. You're right. It always is like, oh, are they mathematically out yet? No, not yet. They just have to win. The, they'll make the. They have a shot if everything falls right. They have a shot if they win their next seven games. <laughs> if every if they if they win out, they could go nine and seven. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna be in the hunt, right? Isn't that isn't that the best thing that the in the hunt graphic? <laughs> By the way, the Bills are never like. They're never. They were never usually like at the top of in the hunt. They were like the very bottom. Like you'd be in like, the hunt is eighty percent of the teams because they want you to stay stay interested. Yeah. <laughs> if there's six playoff teams, like they show like another six or eight after that. <laughs> the Bills are usually like sixth or eighth best after those teams in the AFC. Uh, so it feels good, man. This is a good time to be a Bills fan. So on that note. We'll be signing off. So thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you guys downloading and subscribing and listening to this podcast. We love doing it, um, It's it's especially after a Bills win. So signing off for John. 15-1, let's go, Buffalo. For Mike. Playoffs, what an exciting time to be a Bills fan. And for me, Nate, go Bills. Lots of things to be excited about. Lots of players coming into their own, and this team is on the rise. So enjoy this Buffalo Bills 2019 anthem by Dom Brown, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Bills!
Buffalo, Buffalo is the mafia. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo is the mafia. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo is the mafia. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo is the mafia. It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo is the mafia. Josh Allen, Frank Gore, John Brown, who's stopping us? Trey Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Jerry Hughes, who's blocking us? I don't see nobody stopping us. Number one, no one on top of us. What they gonna do when Matt Milano coming with the blitz off the edge? Don't you throw it in the air, cause Trey White and Michael Hyde will intercept. Star Lotta, Louis double team, now the team getting easy sacks. Jerry Hughes with the double moves, coming straight for the quarterback. Take him down, take him down. McDermott climbing on the sidelines. Ain't the crowd going crazy. Mafia is all time. Circling the wagons. With the mafia, yeah. Circling the wagons. Nate Arbor, where you at? Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo is the mafia. 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 It's the Buffalo Bills, hey. It's the Buffalo Bills, hey. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo is the mafia. Josh Allen, Frank Gore, John Brown, who's stopping us? Jordan Poyer, Trey Day, Rizzo, who blocking us? I don't see nobody stopping us. Number one, no one on top of us. Mitch Moore snapped to Josh Allen, looking down the field. See no one open, so he scrambled right. He sees somebody open, but he off balance, so he gotta be focused. Dawkins with the block, Allen with the shock. 70 yards, will it be caught? Zay Jones or Cole Beasley? Down the field, past the whole roll. So that's Robert Foster, make it so easy. Touchdown, new era field, rocking every Sunday. Got a hangover on every Monday. House money kicking, you know we winning. Josh Allen passing, who won't pass us? With Devin and Frank, you know we great. If you're not a Bills fan, we Buffalo, Buffalo, it's the mafia. Nate Arbel, Don Brown on the podcast. Who's stopping us? Circling the wagons with the mafia. Who's stopping us? No one. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.